everybody. Welcome to the Limit Up podcast, which is, of course, presented by Top Step. Dan Hodgman will be joining me shortly. I'm Jack, here with the introduction before we get to it. You know, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there these days, and we thought maybe we would, I don't know, add to it at this point. Uh, today, we are going to discuss whether or not the bottom is in. And we are talking, of course, about equity indices for those. Specifically, the S&P 500 and NASDAQ futures, because that's what a lot of you are trading out there. We saw the first bear market in NASDAQ since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. And now it's going roaring back with last week being one of the best weeks in the market since uh, at least last year. So the big question now is we're kind of at this inflection point. We're wobbling a little bit back at the top. So are we going to push the new highs or are we going to go right through the bottom that was set about two weeks ago? We'll discuss that from a number of macroeconomic perspectives. Plus, we're going to look at some really, really long-term charts. We're talking weekly, back to the late 90s, because you need the full picture when you're talking this. All right? Hope you're with me on the journey. I'll see you after. Good afternoon, friends and traders. Welcome to Limit Up Podcast. I'm Dan Hodgman sitting down with, as always, Jack Peltzer. Jack, how are you? Good. Happy Thursday, everybody. Things are really ripping here right now at the end of the day, aren't they? Yeah, we caught a nice little pop, uh, which kind of goes really nicely to the title we got here today. Is that bottom in? That's uh, the major question. Yeah, I'm definitely tempting the gods with that one by asking if the bottom's in. But uh, I think it's something <laughs> worth noting, seeing that, you know, last week was the biggest week for th really the two main indices that we watch are the uh, S&P and the NASDAQ, right? That's what most of our traders are trading. And last week was the best week I was trying to measure it roughly back to maybe rivals one week in November of last year, but then it goes all the way back to one of those COVID rebounds after the money gun started firing off. So mm -hmm. it's definitely worth looking into. But if you want to go over the stuff today, Dan, first, by all means. Yeah, absolutely. So today, Thursday, March 24th, we got crude oil. Um, it's been back testing that $115, $116 barrel mark. Well, we got a little bit of a sell-off today, a little bit of relief. I don't think we're going to see it at the pumps just yet, uh, but... That market broke down this morning, made an attempt back to settlement, never really got back up there, kind of continued in a nice channel to the downside, or I guess as Hoag's been calling it since uh, he's handled the recaps for me here as of late. They're calling them Danels, uh, so it's a Danel to the downside. <clears throat> but like Jack mentioned, equities, huge upticks here today. S&P's recovers the losses from yesterday. NASDAQ does the exact same, but continues uh, through. What I really like, though, this morning, we opened up away from settlement price in the NASDAQ. That market closed the gap down to settlement price really nicely, kept it cheap, and we stress, stress it all the time. That's a great area for an opportunity when the market is trading around settlement price. So you, we saw a nice little break, came down to settles, caught the nice pop there. Gold kind of... Back down below 2,000 uh, announced there, but that market had uh, a nice little life here the last couple of days. Continues on that trend here today, at least this morning. After this morning, uh, about 10 o'clock this morning, 9.30, 10, that market flatlined. Um, really nothing to it. Euro, relatively similar. Uh, we caught a nice move once that market uh, opened up last night. Uh, but since we opened up here this morning, it's been really quiet. And the 10-year note, really an inside, nice inside day here today. Um, no real direction, and that's my big indication. Not seeing a ton of direction when I'm looking at the 10-year note like we're seeing in the equities. So does that really mean the bottom's in, Jack, or does that mean uh, something else for us? 
Okay, so our accompanying chart today, as we started doing this, and people will be listening to this too, so I'm just going to say that, uh, and let me know when I can share a chart as well, Dan. Whenever you're ready. All right, cool. Um, the chart that we're going to be looking at for a lot of the time today is a chart of, we'll be going back and forth between the ES and the NQ, and this is a really uh Dayton back chart I'm on right now okay so these are each bar here is a week so if we zoom in here to where we are now this is kind of what I talked about earlier when I was seeing that giant green bar last week I mean maybe it's just about the size of as I said there was something in early November last year but then it goes all the way back to those uh, COVID rip bounces which is a whole different sort of market structure and scenario and we understand why that was happening at the time Okay, so if we talk about is the bottom end, that's what I want to look at these super long-term charts, all right? So let's take a look at the NASDAQ because that kind of fell further and has been on more of a tear. Um, it's been on such a tear for so long that even looking at daily candles when you scratch them up back a couple of years, you don't get the, how crazy this run-up has been. So let's go back, Dan, all the way. I am now using weekly candles and we are going to go all the way back till we were young men or in like high school even earlier let's go back to yeah the year 2000 so this is the full thing here dan what were you doing <laughs> in 2000 um my mom was buying plastic and duct tape for windows in case uh the the catastrophe happened no that yeah it was right around that time i remember uh, my mom freaking out about the the millennium um i had the cd the album willennium from will smith that was um, a good millennium fair that the j-lo uh mm -hmm. waiting for tonight was that the one was that yeah all the time? i think so um, yeah i was 13 uh, i believe i was 2000 i was uh 11 years old yeah so uh we weren't trading really back then, as far as I know. But what it helps is, so let's, uh, this is where the NASDAQ and uh, S&P are kind of fined by two different things. So this is the dot-com bubble over here, right? And what you see in the NASDAQ is, right, it took all the way from 2000 until 2016 about to get back to that level. All right. So it's defined by a long period of it lost about 80% of its value. And then it took a long time to come back. And now it's absolutely exploded. Where if you go since uh, that was around, you know, 4,800, now the high was up around like 16.7. So we're in this thing. We see it if we go to the ES too, you go way back where there was these long stagnant periods characterized by. The dot-com right here, which is a more abbreviated because these were less tech companies. And then the uh, 2008 crash was even worse. But you end up with this thing where, like, between 1998, this is where the ES goes back, you know, all the way until 2010 thereabout, we didn't really get into this zone of completely taking off. And I'll try and narrow this down until recently. And now we are at the point where, like, the ES has, I think, quadrupled since, like, uh, 2013-2014. So it's a very different environment overall. So I say this, the preface, when we talk about bottoms, 
look at how small the move was that we had here in comparison to like really dating back. Now you don't see this as much if you go down to a year or something like that, but here was COVID, right? There's still a lot of move percentage wise that could happen. So that would be the first thing I would warn against is don't think that something really out there could happen. So Dan, I'll let you talk for a little bit before I go on to my next thing here. Yeah, so really what I want to point out here, when we look at these high, high, long, long time frames of charts, historically, when we think about equity indexes, yeah, they're they're designed to continue to trend to the upside, right? That's just the, what they're designed to do. Um, and it's not like gold or oil where we want to suppress prices or something or things of that nature. Everyone's looking at the equity markets for that to continue to the upside for long-term investment and opportunity there. But what I really want to point out here, since about 2020, and we can go back maybe even 2019, but really it's 2020. If we look at 2020, we can look at the angle of this uh, this up uptrend. Um, it's an expedited angle to the upside. And that really is something that I look at here that I recognize of like, okay, Historically, we have an understanding of what this market does, and it usually is moving at about a 20 to 35 degree angle, so to speak. Right now, we're 45 degree angle to the upside. Um, So it does tell me a couple things that when I think about this is what has happened that caused this. Well, we've had a huge change in lifestyle for pretty much everyone around the globe. You've got, so I'm thinking big fundamental picture here, right? 2020, COVID happened. People began working from home. It's two years later. Jack and I are still sitting in our houses working. Uh, So there's a major change there. We have um, more exposable income. And this is the big one. All right. As this economy and our lives start to get back to normal, which we're starting to see, people are going out a little bit more. I went to a concert a few weeks ago. And it was a pretty jam-packed indoor concert in the city of Chicago. So you're going to start to see people looking to take some of that income that they've recently put towards the market that they're going to start putting back into their pockets and start spending in other ways. So that, to me, is going to be a factor that we're not talking about a ton, but it's going to be a huge factor for these markets. And that's what we want to start to think about. So when we're asking ourselves, is the bottom end. Well, if we look at the simple fundamentals on a shorter time frame, such as a daily, we can see that these downside channels have broken. That bottom for the current time being is over. But when we start thinking big picture, we look back a few years, we look back over the last 10 years. Now that we have our, our break back in 2020 was not a huge bubble bursting like we saw in, you know, with the, 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 uh, the real estate bubble, right? Wasn't that it was literally everyone go home. We don't know what's happening. Everyone had that money. They saw the sell-off, opportunity to buy. They've taken huge advantage of the last couple years of these strong um, moves to the upside. Can that continue? I'm in the camp that we're going to have a hard time maintaining what we've seen here the last two years because people are traveling again, right? They're already talking summer 2022 is going to be the most traveled summer of the year or of our lifetimes. Does that mean money's going to stop going into the markets and people are going to start spending it? We got inflation up, so there's going to be hesitation there. There's a lot of factors, Jack, in my opinion, that says the bottom is not in, and I'm looking for this thing to continue. Ooh, yeah, that's a hot take that I love. So to give like the positive spin, like Dan mentioned, over time, uh, the market, I can't go back far enough. You might have seen me there. I was toggling with the logarithmic scale versus like the regular scale on here. If you go really far back, uh, 
the logarithmic scale is a good way to see the line that the markets have like generally followed and it really smooths out things like even like the great depression and stuff like that even when you smooth things by the logarithmic scale right the last four years or really like they jump out a little more right um it's unusual to see a quadrupling of an index like the s p 500 in four years so i'm just i'm be in i guess Oh my god, it's 2022 now, so eight years or something like that. That's 2022, Jack. Can you believe? I know. It? I just thought about that. That's You've depressing. been sitting in your kitchen since 2020. I know. I gotta get a new place at some point. <laughs> I wasn't made for this. I need a new um, office. Yeah. No. No. I wasn't. I like. I. I. I love my place. I don't know if it was like the greatest idea as far as like working from home and having a baby and all that good stuff. But uh, life comes at you fast like that. Um, the reason I'm sort of belaboring the point of how far it's come and looking way back is when I switch to the daily here, I feel like because it's been doing this for so long that we're kind of, um, starting to feel like something, you know, like 4,000 say would be a huge crash bargain of the century in S and P it's like, well, I mean, we only hit 4,000 for the first time on like early 2021 or something like that right yep we've been on an incredible tear here so you got to look way out to have context for what we're doing next now as we go more to what's happened recently here uh the number the low is around 4100 in the s p right it's interesting that sort of i'll go to the nq because there was more going on there it's interesting that like the size of this move from top to bottom in percent is nowhere near it, but it's not too far off what the COVID crash was in absolute terms, right? It was just from it, a smaller, yeah. from a larger right. base. Yeah, and you go back, you could, we could really go back, let's bring it back to 2000 again, right? When the tech bubble popped there, uh, about a 3000 point move, uh, which we can see here has been, way more than that um from the top to bottom and that took what 15 ish years to recover from to get back to where we were in the early 2000s so we just we're looking at this in a whole different light right it's all about percentage based yes and uh so we've got a similar break this recovers a lot quicker in my opinion uh, but i also sit here and say i'm not I'm not set on bottoms in. Um, I I still think, you know, and I this is a conversation I've heard from a lot of people, from professionals to amateurs to just people thinking about 401k, that maybe it's time to pull, get a little cash heavy with things. And uh, I, I don't disagree with that sentiment. Well, here's the good stuff that's kind of fueling, uh, fueling this is, you know, we had the lowest jobless claims I heard the headline ever today, but I presume they mean like as a percentage or something like that. Um, the VIX is down in the low 20s again, which is incredible when you think about everything that's going on right now. Um, mm -hmm. As far as commodities, geopolitics, everything's kind of falling apart at the seams here. Um, and then the rates, which is the thing that we love to watch, is probably my favorite thing uh, to pay attention to here, have really been 
taken off in the last couple weeks here. But once again, if you go back further, so we're at about 2.36 yield on the 10-year right now. It's unheard of recently, but that only takes us back to last time we touched that was in May of 2019. So we've been to all these things before. Interest rates are still low. Um, if those keep rising, I don't know what you keep yourself in, right? You take cash out, but that's not going to, uh, you know, what are you buying with that cash? Well, you don't want to keep too much cash with the rate of inflation right now. True. <laughs> you know, like that's where that's where this question really comes in. It's like I'm nervous about markets, right? I, how my long-term stance there, but with inflation being as high as it is, just holding on to cash month over month, I lose money on that cash. Essentially, that's what inflation is. So that's where the big question really comes, and I don't think it's I, I do does it go into real estate? Real estate is still holding strong. Um, do we see that continued rush to real estate like we have for the last two years? Do we start to see people pushing more money towards that? I don't know because now there's this big vendetta out against Airbnbs and things of that nature because there's like the cancel culture has hit Airbnb. People got into that or started using them because it was a cheaper alternative to hotels. And now I'm seeing a lot of conversation. I've seen it myself where I went to book one for a couple of days and it's my cleaning fee and my maintenance fee and my my servicing fees cost as much as it does to just rent the unit for two nights. So there's that question. Are people yeah. going to start peeling out? Or are you going to see real estate dump again? Well, I don't some, know. Some of the blowback with that, too, is it really has distorted some of these uh, markets for real estate. Like if you some places where they really don't like the Airbnbs, for instance, are like uh, um, New Orleans and uh actually like the place that i stay in wyoming um basically you know no one could afford to live around there because everything gets bought up as like an airbnb that the people that live there are poorer than can't buy so i get why there's some like pushback on some of it that's but. that's like my town where i live um oh i'm sure i'm sure it is you know that's you want an airbnb for a month um if you want to be able to even just see the lake that i'm on you know it's it's an astronomical number it's it's yeah. ridiculous yeah and then there's people with you know money from other places basically nobody wants to rent out places to the locals they want to try and sell them for weak segments to people outside we'll exactly. save that for our uh, real estate uh a quality podcast we also do right here. let's let's get back to the bottom so jack i made my call Okay. I want to. I want to hear your stance. I I said my call is. I don't think the bottom's in. I'm I'm leaning. I, I'm I'm convincing myself more and more too as I keep talking. So I, I'm I'm all in on the bottom's not in. Where do you stand? What are your thoughts? I'm with you, and I'll tell you why. I brought this tenure right here. Are you familiar with the acronym TINA in stocks? It is. Uh, it became a little popular with like the Fed stuff. It means there is no alternative. And okay. basically, the idea is that when 10-year bonds, 30-year bonds, whatever you're doing, like say the 10-year was at one point is yielding under 1% of the year, right? What it's saying is that there's no alternative to stocks if you want to grow your money. So everyone piles into those. The reason I fear that uh, the bottom's not in is that that calculus might be adjusted and you see people getting back in the bonds because, all right, now we're at 2.3% a year. It starts creeping up too much higher. 
And there's a lot of people who are a little more risk adverse who's like, wow, um, time to lock in the billion percent I've uh, made on Apple or whatever and uh, put it in something more safe, right? So suddenly there might be alternative to some of these things. And for instance, with the NASDAQ, it's, it's crazy. I, I've gone through this a couple times here. Let me check this out real quick. I won't do that right now. But search sometime the... Uh, the, so the NQ future is based on the NASDAQ 100, right? And it's crazy how concentrated that index is in just a few companies. I think I looked up today and the number one, Apple accounts for 12% of it, Microsoft for 10. So like just in those two companies is like 22% of the composite. And then um, the top nine companies out of the hundred account for more than half. And I think what kept, we, we didn't see those companies sell off the way, there's tons of companies that are in the NASDAQ that have been absolutely hammered, who are, you know, we're down more than 60, 70%, right? I think that the, some crazy percentage of the, uh, the major indices companies were down more than half from their uh, from their 52-week high or whatever they had hit. And ultimately, it doesn't shift the indices that much because uh, it's really so concentrated in these huge, huge names that are able to weather everything. I could see if those companies start getting hit or even just go down a little bit, it's going to have a huge outsized impact. So I am going to say between those two things, between Tina and the over-concentration that the bottom probably isn't in yet, or at least that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, and just to just paint some clarity on what you're talking about, Jack, only 21 of the NASDAQ, 21 of the companies in the NASDAQ 100 are weighted at at least 1%. So the other almost 70, uh, or excuse me, almost 80, do not even equate to 1%. Um, if you think about it, right out of 100 country uh, companies, each one should be essentially 1%. Well, no, it's only the top 20 that are weighted at 1% or more with um, Apple at 12.2, Microsoft at 10. So Apple and Microsoft alone make up almost a quarter uh, of the uh, the NASDAQ 100. Yeah. So I'm going to stop sharing right now just so that we can get our lovely faces up there. A few end notes um, is that inflation, if it continues that's going to be way more disruptive to the nasdaq because where inflation comes into things is it makes your future earnings or your hypothetical future earnings less valuable today and all the companies in the nasdaq or many of them are more of those uh we're buying it for the future if you're buying tesla right you're buying it because we're going to the moon and making moon batteries and smoking moon rocks or i don't know whatever it is that is going to get it to 5,000, which it already is, I guess, split adjusted <laughs> five, 6,000. Yeah. Um, but inflation overall, you know, if you're thinking it's all going to crash because of inflation, in the long run, like, remember these things like the S&P 500 is market cap weighted and stuff like that. I mean, eventually companies that make things, that do things are just going to get more money for doing those things. And they're going to make more in air quotes their money um you know it, it, ultimately things 
ultimately money is just whatever the value is on it, right? But on paper, and that's what these things are based on, they'll be more valuable. So long Yeah, term. And just things, you know, thinking about just the basic understanding, right? P- companies like Apple, Microsoft, they are the most weighted when it comes to the NASDAQ. And if inflation continues to rise, right? What does that really mean? I can probably guarantee that most Americans right now are not getting a seven or eight percent annual raise. Um, just the, the facts of the matter here. You're going to have to start cutting costs. And what does that mean you're going to cut out? Well, maybe it's instead of buying a cell phone every year, you're buying a cell phone every other year. Those are going to be small little incremental changes. And instead of buying, you know, the the Apple headphones, right? I've got them in my head, but instead of buying the Apple headphones, maybe you're buying an off-brand that are a little bit cheaper because, hey, I've got bigger expenses. My gas is up. I was looking up. for you to throw shade at some company there, and then you backed out. I, 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 I almost did. I had one in mind, but I I refrained. I'll do one we could be. You buy your Amazon Basics, whatever. We can make fun of that. that well, even that, though, right? Amazon's weighted at 7.5% in the NASDAQ. I was going to say Skull Candy. Oh, okay. I was a big fan of those back in the day. I had the Rastafarian ones that are yeah. like green and yellow and red. What's not the light? But you're you can gonna buy them at a Walgreens, right? And like, if you go back ten years, right? Let's go back to, back to two thousand. You weren't spending three, four hundred dollars on a pair of headphones. Uh, I'm ashamed to say that's how much I paid for these darn things. I wear them daily, all day long. But like, you weren't spending money there. It was a different way of spending money, and obviously times evolve and change but if we start getting hit with more inflation i can tell you i'm gonna think about it right costs of gas food you know I'm, i don't want to change my eating habits uh, i'm not gonna go back to eating you know ramen noodles and buttered noodles i like eating my meat and my steak and having a nice dinner at home but those are the changes that we're going to start to see an effect and maybe it's going to go instead of buying that fancy electronic i'm going to refrain or instead of buying that tesla i'm gonna refrain yeah and because all this inflation stuff gets so confusing i think we are entering a period of kind of what we talked about you know recently of pretty persistent volatility um where it's i don't know what would get us down right now to remember before covid we went through years of sub 20 sub 15 vix we were like 10 and 11 and like it was a big day if we popped to 14 yeah quiet oh that that's you know that boredom it bored a lot of like traders out of the market professional traders too things were just very locked up that was when my my dad retired it's kind of funny he sent out a a text message to the family a couple days ago it was his five-year anniversary retirement um he retired from trading hundred like full-time trading he still does a little bit here and there right but once a trader always a trader i guess but he retired and it was strictly because there wasn't enough volatility it was too quiet and he was like well it's just not as fun anymore so well, yeah, i retired if, if you're selling options like i sure like i'm sure that's what you know you guys do as professional option traders that you're uh you're really putting on strangely enough more and more risk as the uh, volatility gets lower and lower. And as we talked about right when yep. COVID hit, there were all these places that just blew out fantastically during the COVID spike because they had been making money for years, just just power selling. And the same thing happened with like the spreads I was trading where, you know, 
people would just size up and size up to grind out everything. And then when it blows, it just goes supernova, right? That's exactly what was happening. I mean, you, you, you said it really well. Just when volatility goes down, that increases your risk with options. And that's the biggest concern. And, you know, there's a point of like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I just don't see what we're going, what's going to get us there right now. I suppose maybe I'm being cynical. And everything will be hunky dory, but like I, you know, next couple months at the bare minimum, this is what the dynamic is going to be. So I would be careful about getting too married to the, um, the long side of the equation, or really either side, but just um, of kind of playing it. And if I'm looking at the levels you got to watch out for here, um, let me see what. Just to add what you were saying there, Jack, I, w- I would definitely agree. Um, I- I'm normally a pretty big-time optimist when it comes you to are. markets. Uh, I'm a huge optimist. Um, I can feel that swaying in me right now. I'm getting a little bit more pessimistic. I-, I-, I just think, honestly, you know, over the last few years, we're seeing extreme overbought um, that people are going to start pulling money. Like, I-, I can already envision it. I have, you know, tons of people haven't traveled in years I want to go back on vacation. I'm going to cut down how much money, what my percent I'm putting into the 401k so I can pull some cash. And I'm going to pull some cash out of my E-Trade account. And I'm going to sell some stuff just so I can go back to living a little bit. And people are ready to, I think, just around the globe are ready to ready to let loose. And I think you're going to see So you think you're going to see a huge economic indicator, right? That's a restaurant on a Tuesday night. You know, you go back pre-2020, pre-2020. That was a yeah. huge indicator of how the economy is doing, right? If a, if a restaurant in, in a town is crowded on a Tuesday night, that's a good sign. Uh, we haven't seen that for two years, but uh, stocks have been up. I think you're going to start to see that rotation. Um, money is going to start flowing back um, that way, and you're going to see these markets take some hit. Well, it's the boomers, too. I mean, there's a, you know, not to make everyone nervous before we sign off for the day, but there's sort of theory, too, is what's happened in the last – 10, 15 years that wasn't really a factor before is everybody in the world is just passively uh, investing money through their 401ks or whatever else, pensions, stuff like that, into these index funds on like the S&P 500. So like it's hard for the S&P 500 to really crash it away because it's just every day there's money pouring into it and we haven't reached the, the big drawdown yet which could be caused by everyone's favorite generation for people my age the uh, baby boomers who are retiring okay, boomer yeah exactly <laughs> um you know it's it'll be interesting to see is 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 that sort of large reallocation going to be something that completely distorts the market it could be. All I'm saying right now is we are definitely wobbling at these prices. It's the first time that we have wobbled since the COVID bounce. You know, it was the first time we had a technical bear market or whatever on the NASDAQ, right? It dropped like 20-something percent from the highs, mm-hmm. low 20s. Um, the ch- You know, the chart just looks different now. This is like the first, this is the moment of hesitation. It's like reaching it. We'll see if it broadens out. Like if we hit new highs, we could be hitting um, 
I wouldn't be surprised if we go into sort of like an expanding funnel here. That happens a lot as things are wobbling where, I mean, 4,800 is the high in the S&P. That's one I'm watching. I, I don't watch it closely enough on a daily basis, but I did see a comment in here just about open interest uh, with this recent rally has been uh, either flat or negative. So we're bringing less volume in, um, in that perspective, less and less open interest. Normally, you see these breaks when the uptick comes. You want to see open interest come come in to really accelerate the upside, and we're not seeing that. That could be uh, another indication. Oh, if we're pushing those new highs on low volume, super low volume, oh, boy, I will be steering Whew. clear of that. <laughs> that is for sure. Right? Yeah. But that sort of thing. So we both agree. We're both going to be pessimists here and say the bottom's not in, but, you know, I, not selling I, I have, our house and joining a cult either, right? No, no, I might sell the house, but I'm not joining a cult. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do yourself, man. Nice. Okay. Well, I guess that's our conversation as far as that goes today. Dan, you have any last thoughts or anything you want to throw out there before we uh, call it a week? Or a- no, not, all, not much. Uh, just be cautious out there. I think the big thing is, you know, change your hat, right? If you're a day trader, don't sit here and think, okay, you know, the bottom's falling out or the top is in. Don't think that. Um, make sure you're switching between the two different hats. Wear your day trading hat for when you're day trading. Wear your investment hat when you're in looking long-term stuff. Um, don't intermingle the two. I think that's the most important thing here. I think oh, it's easy to get, a, get emotional talking about where these long-terms can go. And when we say the bottom's not necessarily in, doesn't mean that we may not see another month of moves to the upside. Um, it's big picture. So if you're day trading, focus on what those markets are telling you. Trade to trade trade for today. You're not sitting here trading for what's going to be what the market's going to do in three days or four days or ten days. You're trading for what the market's doing yeah. today. Keep the dry powder. Look at the range. I mean, like, there's going to be some good range trades here, right? That wobble. What I'm saying is really like, it's it's range stuff, right? Instead of just that persistent grind upwards. So, have fun. Be safe. And uh, that's where we'll sign off now uh, with the classic Dan always loves what I say it. Namaste and trade well. We'll see you later, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today. You could be listening to all sorts of things, but thanks for checking out Limit Up. Rate us on iTunes if you like us. If you don't, well, maybe refrain from rating us. Check us out at topstep.com if you're interested in our futures trading program. We'll see you next week. 